you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. How many of you have had someone give you the cold shoulder? Let me see you raise your hands. Okay, so that's basically everybody in this room. In a marriage relationship, cold shoulders usually lead to cold showers. But how many of you have had somebody who not only gave you a cold shoulder, but they kind of gave you the silent treatment? Let me hear you. Okay. If you're at home and you're thinking through this with me for just a second, when you're in a relationship, maybe it's a marriage relationship, maybe this is your best friend, and things are not good between the two of you, and then all of a sudden, they don't respond to your text messages. All of a sudden, they're not answering your emails. Pretty soon, they're not replying to your voicemails. This is how you know things are not good between two people. doesn't matter if it's a marriage, a friendship, whatever it is, any kind of relationship. That's a bad part. That's when relationships are not good. But let me tell you where it goes really bad. When they stop reading the text messages, when your emails don't even get opened, when they go straight to junk, when the voicemails get deleted before they even get listened to, when somebody goes completely silent, you know things aren't good. You see, not answering, reading but not answering the text says it's bad. But the silent treatment can sometimes say it's much worse. The silent treatment sometimes says, I'm over. It's done. I'm moving on. And in a relationship, any kind of relationship, when you get the silent treatment, things are really, really bad. They may be beyond the point of no return. And what we're going to do is talk about what happens in a relationship when you hear nothing. So in your living room, I want you to say this out loud. In this room, let me hear you say the word silence. Say it loud, though. Here's what I want you to understand from the Bible today. We're going to be in Amos chapter 8, and you're going to hear what it looks like when God is silent. But I want you to look up on the screens for just a second, because here's what the Bible is saying to us today. Nothing speaks louder in a relationship between two friends, between a husband and a wife, and nothing speaks louder in a relationship between God and his children. Nothing shouts louder than silence. And sometimes when you have been ignoring God for so long, he starts to become silent. Maybe you're just joining us. We're studying through the book of Amos. We're now in Amos chapter 8. But if I were to go back and to summarize the book of Amos for you leading up to this point, here's what you're going to read. In Amos chapter 1, Amos is speaking to God people in the nations surrounding him. He's speaking to all of those pagan nations. Now, I just need to remind you, Amos is a businessman. He's not a professional prophet. And Amos hears from God, cannot get the voice of God out of his head. And now Amos is compelled to speak on God's behalf. He goes to the pagan nations around him in chapter one. And you know what they say to him? Amos, we don't care. Stop talking. In Amos chapter 2, he speaks to his own brethren, his own country on God's behalf. And you know what they say to him? 
Amos, we don't care. We don't want to hear it. Stop talking. In Amos chapter 3 through 6, he speaks to his cousins in Israel. And he's just laying out for them what God has told Amos to say. And do you know what they tell him? Amos, we don't care. We don't want to hear it. Literally, they tell him to shut up in Amos chapter 7. And what you see in Amos chapter 8, where we are today, is you see the results of what happens when people tell God long enough, God, I don't want to hear it. God, I'm sick of listening. And pretty soon, God stops talking. In fact, I'll give you kind of what I believe is the pivotal verse from Amos chapter 8, and perhaps one of the most tragic verses in the Bible. Amos 8 chapter 11 says this. This is what it looks like when God stops talking. Look, Amos tells the nation of Israel, look, the days are coming. This is the declaration of the Lord God when I will send a famine throughout the land. But look at what it says on the screens. Not a famine of bread. Not a famine of thirst for water. A famine of hearing the words of the Lord. There's going to be a point where you want to hear from him. And he's not talking anymore. And then the rest of Amos chapter 8 is going to describe what it looks like when this famine happens and God stops talking to his people. Amos 8.11 describes a tragic circumstances. Now, this is really the point of no return. And I just want to beg you today. I want to challenge you. I want to beg you today. Don't let your relationship with God get to the point of no return. Like ignoring him doesn't have any uh, interest in hearing from God until your life gets turned upside down and you're facing this massive tragedy. And then all of a sudden you're crying out to him, but you don't hear anything in reply. That's what it looks like in, in Amos chapter 8 verse 11 when it's too late. And what we're going to do is we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to look at this chapter from the book of, from the prophet Amos. And we're going to try to see what it takes to prevent it from ever getting to the point that it's too late with God. So we're just going to start at the beginning, Amos chapter 8, verse 1. And here's what you're going to hear. If you and I are going to be the kind of people that are hungry to hear from God, ready to listen, because we don't ever want to get to the point where the relationship is so bad that he's not really speaking through his Holy Spirit anymore. The first step right there on the screens is to get honest. And can we be honest with each other before we even get into the Bible today? Getting honest with somebody in a relationship is not easy. The reason why it's not easy is because of the natural fear of rejection. What if I'm really, really honest and you learn about all of my faults and about all of my mistakes and you turn your back on me and you reject me? In fact, I think a lot of people approach God this way. What if I'm really, really honest with him and he sees the junk that's in my life and not only does he reject me, but he discards me. He disowns me when he finds out the junk that's going on in my life. And so many people, unfortunately, sometimes even Christians, don't get gut level 
really honest with God. Let me show you what it looks like when you don't get that honest with God. Amos chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says it this way. The Lord God showed me this. Amos was just doing his job. He was taking care of sheep. And then God showed him the fourth vision out of five visions in the book of Amos. He showed me this, a basket of summer fruit. And he asked me, what do you see, Amos? And I replied, duh. Amos didn't say that. I did. I replied, a basket of summer fruit. And the Lord said to me, the end has come. For my people Israel. Do you see what it says on the screens? It's too late. The end has come for my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. In that day, the temple songs will no longer be praised. They'll become wailing. This is the Lord's declaration. Many dead bodies thrown everywhere. And say the next word out loud. Silence with an exclamation mark. The temple is going to become silent because they have cried until there's no tears left. They have wailed until there's no more wailing or mourning to do. Now we're just silent and dumbfounded before the Lord. It's almost summer here in our part of the United States. Now, if you don't live in our part of the United States, let me just let you know how it it goes down here. We have basically two seasons down here. We have summer, and then we have not summer. And not summer is just about over, and summer is about to start in this hot, humid part of the United States, which means months of relentless temperatures and high humidity. And in Israel, summer was the time when the fruit and the vegetables became ripe. So God is using this season of the year to make an analogy to his people Israel. And he says it this way. Listen, while the fruit is ripening on the vines, there's still hope. When it's at the point that it's at the perfect ripe, uh, it's perfectly ripe on the vines and on the fruit trees, there's still hope. But once you miss this point, once you pass over the harvest time, the fruit, what happens to fruit when it stays on the tree or on the vine for too long, it doesn't get harvested and it, it goes past becoming ripe. What's the next stage? It becomes rotten. Thank you. And what, is, what, Jesus, or what God is describing about his children in Israel is, I was trying to nurture them and take care of them and make them ripe. And I wanted them to be ready to respond to me. But they waited and they ignored me. And now the season is over with. And listen to this. Now they've become rotten. And I hope you know this already. You can do a lot with fruit that is perfectly ripe. In fact, you can basically do just about anything with perfectly ripe fruit. You can even do stuff with fruit that isn't quite yet ripe, but there's almost nothing that you can do with fruit that's rotten. It's basically worthless. And what God is describing in this fourth vision to Amos is Israel has become rotten fruit to me. And now you can take a basket of rotten fruit, but I can't do anything with this basket of rotten fruit because they've sat there and they have forgotten or ignored me for so long. Do you know what God has been asking his children to do? He's been asking them to repent. Now, if you don't understand this Bible word, repent, it says getting really honest with God. Saying, God, we've made some mistakes. God, would you forgive us? God, I'm sorry. 
and repentance always leads to remorse. God, I was wrong. God, I was sorry. Repentance, look up here for just a second, is really important because the next step after repentance is remorse. And the reason why that's so important is because now God can restore you. Now that you've been really honest with him, yes, you've made some mistakes, but I still love you anyway, and I want to restore you to myself. But there's no shortcutting this. You can't skip beyond repentance and get straight to restoration. And God says, I wanted to restore you, Israel. And I tried to get you to get honest and repent. And you didn't listen. And now you're rotten to me. And now what I'm going to do next is just simply stop talking. And I'm no longer listening to your, your prayers. Israel failed to listen when they had a chance. They got too busy. And they ignored the message of God. They got so consumed or self-preoccupied or so enamored with everything that was happening around them that they just pushed God to the curb for so long that pretty soon he's going to stop talking. And Amos is saying, this day is on its way and nothing and no one can stop it. If you don't want that day to happen to you, the first step and perhaps the most important step is to just get real and honest with the God who created you, who loves you, and who knows you completely anyway. So hide nothing back from him this week. Step number two, Israel, I wanted you to honor me. Israel, I wanted you to represent me. And you didn't do it. In fact, you abused the good gifts that I've given you. I want you to see the next two words that the Bible uses. Because in these next two words, you'll see just how far God tried to go to get his people's attention and to cause them to listen to him. In fact, I'm going to put Amos chapter 8 verse 4 on the screens. And I want you to read the next two words from the Bible out loud. Let me hear you say these words first two words on the screen. Hear this. God is saying through his prophet one more time, Israel, please hear this. You who trample on the needy and do away with the poor of the land, asking when will the new moon be over so that we can sell grain and the Sabbath so that we, can, or so that we may market wheat. Hey, we're sick of these religious festivals um, where you can't do business. We're only interested in making money. So when will the religious festivals be over with so that we can make more money again? And it goes from bad to worse. We can reduce the measure while increasing the price and cheat people with dishonest scales. We can buy the poor with silver and the needy with a pair of sandals and even sell the chap. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, I will never forget all their deeds. Because of this, won't the land quake and all who dwell in it mourn? All of it will rise like the Nile. It will surge and then sub, uh, subside like the Nile in Egypt. And in that day, this is the declaration of the Lord God. I will make the sun go down at noon and I will darken the land in daytime. Israel, I will turn your feasts into mourning 
and all of your songs into lament. You'll no longer sing songs of praise. Now you're gonna sing songs of grief and sorrow. I will cause everyone to wear sackcloth and every head to be shaved. I will make that grief like mourning for an only son and its outcome like a bitter day. This is the Lord's word to the people of Israel. Now, how you and I treat people, it says a lot about what's going on in our hearts. How you and I treat the people around you, it says an awful lot about the condition of your heart. But how you treat the helpless says even more about the condition of your soul. You see, what Israel was doing is taking advantage of the most vulnerable people of the land. It was the, the business leaders were cheating the poor and taking the little that they had and they were using deceptive business practices to do it. They were buying and selling people and treating them like a commodity. You see, the way that you treat your friends, those that are kind to you and close to you, says a lot about what's going on in your heart. But the way that you treat people that are helpless and can't offer anything in return says an awful lot about what's going on in your soul. And God is saying, Israel, I made you to honor me. I wanted you to represent me to the nations around you. And you missed it. You completely missed it, Israel. I wanted you to show compassion to people who couldn't return your favor. But instead of showing compassion, you took advantage of them. Your bad business practices and your corrupt government started a, a scenario where this thing just went from bad to worse. And you started by cheating just a little bit. And pretty soon you were cheating people out of everything and treating them, discarding them like the worthless parts of the grain that you can't sell at the market. God is supremely concerned when bad business practices and corrupt government policies continue to exist. And no matter where you're watching this from right now, that ought to cause all of us to have nightmares tonight. If you're saying, wait a second, Jeff, what God said in the book of Amos way back in the Old Testament is still true today, and God cares about the business practices in my city. He is concerned about the kind of government policies that go on. If that's the case, then uh-oh, wherever you live right now, you and I are facing really difficult circumstances ahead. Because no matter where you are on the world right now, there are businesses that are cheating people. There is government policies that are deliberately, intentionally treating people like a commodity. And so God says, I'm, let me tell you what I'm going to do to you, Israel. I'm going to make your ground quake. Now, if you were with us at the very first week of the book of Amos, you remember that this prophecy was given. Amos tells us exactly when this happened. Two years before, look up here, the earthquake. The earthquake is the exact language that Amos uses to describe it. He says that 
there was an earthquake. It wasn't just an earthquake. It was the earthquake. When our children and grandchildren talk about it, they don't talk about the little tremors that happened over and over again in Israel. They talk about the big one, the big one that happened in the year 763 BC. And God is saying, Israel, let me tell you what I'm about to do to you. I'm about to make the earth quake below you. I'm about to strip away all of your finances like the Nile surges and then it disappears. I'm about to make the sun go dark in the middle of the day. This is going to be my hand against you, Israel, because you were supposed to be my representative. You were supposed to act like me to the nations. Look, I, I say this a lot around here, and it's because I don't, want to, I don't want you to ever forget it. The name Two Cities speaks about the two places where you and I live. As Christians, we belong to the eternal city. We are children of God, and our ultimate dwelling place is heaven, which means we're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to honor God. But we also live in a second city. This is what the name Two Cities stands for. We live in the city of man. And we're supposed to represent our God while we're here in the city of man. And one of the most vulnerable groups of people that you will run into are the poor, the homeless, and the needy. And Israel, instead of taking care of these people, instead of treating them the way that I would treat them and representing me to these people, you took advantage of them. Our church is so committed to being good citizens of two cities that this, this next week, this week on Saturday, like we do every month around here, we're going to go to serve people in our community. We call it Serve Saturday around here. And this coming Saturday, we're going to be in a low-income government housing project, loving and serving the kind of people that Amos chapter 8 is talking about. Because that's what God's people are supposed to do. We care about people like that because God cares about them. And we show compassion to them that can't offer us anything in return. Because that's what God calls his children to do. I want to invite you to join us this Saturday as we go knock on doors and love our neighbors across the river at the Riverview Apartments. See, if you're going to prevent this thing from ever getting to, to the point of no return in your relationship with God, first, you get honest. Second, you show compassion. And third and finally, from the book of Amos chapter 8 today, you get to the point where you listen carefully to what God says next. I really believe these next verses describe perhaps some of the most tragic verses in the entire Old Testament. When God says, I tried to get your attention, Israel. I wanted you to listen carefully, but you weren't listening. And so now, Israel, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop talking for 400 years, you will not hear from my voice again. Amos chapter 8, let's pick up again at verse 11. Look, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. And let me describe for you, God says to, through the prophet Amos, let me tell you what this is going to look like when the famine hits. 
people will stagger from sea to sea and roam from the north to the east, seeking the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the beautiful young women, the young men also will faint from thirst. Remember, not water, not bread, but thirsty to hear from God. And they won't hear it. Those who swear by the guilt of Samaria and say, as your God lives, Dan, as the way of Beersheba lives, they will never, or they will fall and never rise again. Look up on the screens at the word, words Dan and Beersheba. These are cities in Israel where Israel created temples of idol worship to false gods. And it's going to get bad. And people are going to go back to what's natural for them. When it gets bad, they're going to turn to their idols and hope that their idols will deliver them. And God says, those idols will not be able to deliver you. I wanted you to hear from me. And you became adulterous and turned to somebody else, turned to false gods. I want you to picture something in your mind for just a second. Picture this with me for just a second, will you? Imagine that there's a husband, a good man, a godly man, who is married and trying his best to keep his marriage together. He's providing for his wife and he's praying for her and he's doing his best to love her and to honor her. But he's married to an unfaithful wife. You got this picture in your mind for just a second? Imagine that she's not just unfaithful once, she's not just unfaithful two or three times, but she's a serial adulteress. And she continues to break her vows and continues to sleep with somebody outside the relationship. Still got the picture in your mind? Now imagine that the guy works diligently to try to restore this marriage. Adultery after adultery after adultery. He doesn't ever minimize it. He doesn't ever act like it's no big deal. He tries to convince her to be pure. He tries to convince her that he loves her. He will take care of her. That the men that she's with are just using her. But she refuses to listen to him. Now, you still got the picture in your mind for a second. Now imagine that we're talking about your brother or your son, or your best friend. And I wanna ask you, do you tell him at this point, it's time for you to stop winning her heart back. It's time for you to look her in the eyes, tell her it's over, and move on. Or do you tell him to hang in there, maybe she'll listen this time. After the last 20 times that she didn't listen, how many of you say to him, just hang in there, she may listen the next time? Or how many of you say, you know what, it's over, man. It's time for you to move on. You see, what God is saying is, Israel, I loved you with this selfless, sacrificial love. 
And I was calling you into a relationship with me. And I was showering you with good gifts, calling you my children and honoring you. And we entered into a relationship, Israel. It's called a covenant. I made a promise to you and you made a promise to me. But you broke your promise, not once, but many times over. And when it got bad, instead of running back to me, Israel, you ran to your false gods, to your temporary idols, and looked to them to make things better. And I've tried over and over again, Israel, to call you back to myself, and you wouldn't have it. So Israel, I'm done talking. And now you are eventually going to get to the point where you want to hear from me, but I'm not talking anymore. Because when I tried to talk to you, you weren't listening. That's exactly what happened in the Old Testament. Listen, y'all, this didn't just happen in the, New Test in the Old Testament. It happens in the New Testament, and it happens today where God is trying to get people's attention, and they're not listening. And then there's a point where he stops trying to get your attention. And now what happens next is very severe. What happens next is brutal in the land. And God is saying, I tried to win you back, Israel. I tried to speak to you and to call you out of this muck and mire and the mess that you created in your life, but you weren't listening. And now I'm going to be silent. Historians will sometimes talk about one of the most brutal battles in World War II. In fact, I think if you look back over the course of human history, this may have been one of the bloodiest and the most brutal battles in human history. It's the Battle of Leningrad. The Battle of Leningrad really started in September of 1941, and it probably shouldn't be called a battle. It, it's better referred to as a siege that lasted for almost three years. It started late in the summer, and most people would tell you that first winter, 1941, was without a doubt the worst part of this battle. Because of the weather in Russia and because of the troops that surrounded the city and cut off the supplies of food and now we're being starved to death and we're completely isolated from the rest of our country and it looks like the city is going to fall. And in the midst of the winter of 1941, Stalin did everything he could to prop up this really important city. He wanted to make sure that people didn't lose hope. So Stalin used the radio to try to keep the attention and the hearts of the people in uh, Leningrad. He started to ask people to come on the radio and to read novels just so that people had something to listen to when they were starving and freezing to death in the winter of 1941. He asked poets to come and to read poetry on the radio so that people would listen. He asked musicians, it doesn't even matter what you play, would you come to the radio and would you play? And they played until they were faint with exhaustion because there was nothing to eat nothing to drink, freezing to death. There was a point on the radio in Leningrad, the winter of 1941, where the people were so exhausted that no one had the energy to keep reading, keep speaking, keep singing. There was just a metronome in the background that people in the city could listen to. Tick, 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 tick. That's all that the residents could hear. And then the metronome went silent. And when the metronome went silent, 
people became desperate. In fact, the radio engineers did everything they could to at least get the tick of the metronome broadcasting through the radio station because people started to treat silence as death. If the radio goes silent, now there's no hope for us left. We are going to die because now we can't even hear the regular tick of the metronome. Silence equaled death. And for three hours, there was total silence until the radio engineers could get the tick of the metronome going again and give the people whatever hope that they could. God is saying to the nation of Israel, I have tried over and over again to get your attention, but you weren't listening, Israel. And now it's too late. And what I'm asking you to do, wherever you're at, not just here in this room, but wherever you're tuned into this service, is I'm going to ask you today, please, for your sake, would you get quiet and would you get alone with God this week? And would you do it for your soul and for your future? Get quiet before God, before God starts to get quiet to you. Because he's been talking and you haven't been listening. And so eventually he stops speaking and doesn't speak to you. His Holy Spirit isn't speaking to you anymore. See, I'm going to ask you to run to him and to hold nothing back to him and get really honest with him and just admit where you're at. He already knows it anyway, but he wants to hear from you. He wants to speak to you. He's regularly trying to get your attention. He wants you to do something with what you've heard from him. He wants you to put your faith into action and show compassion. But if you're not careful and you blow him off long enough, the New Testament describes this picture very well. He can hand you over to the desires of your heart. He can give you exactly what you're asking for. God, I want you to stop talking because I'm not listening. And one day he says, okay, if that's really what you want from me, I'll give you what you want. And now all of a sudden, when you need to hear from him most, he's silent and he doesn't speak to you anymore. The voice of God is a gift from your creator who says, I love you and I want to be in a relationship with you. Listen, the cold shoulder is bad. The silent treatment is really, really bad. And God, unlike selfish, sinful people, doesn't give the silent treatment because he's angry or because he's mean. He gives the silent treatment because he will not cheapen himself and compete with the other voices for your attention. So there's a point where he says, if you're not listening, then I'm just going to stop speaking. And today for the children of God, I'm going to ask you, would you get silent before him? Would you spend some time listening to Jesus, your king, perhaps this week like you haven't listened to him in a long, long time? Maybe you'd be saying to yourself, Jeff, I, I'd be honest with you. I've been really busy. I've been really preoccupied. I don't really have any excuses, Jeff. Let's just be honest with each other. It's not because I'm busy and pre preoccupied. I am, but that's not why. I just haven't heard from God lately, and it's because I haven't really been interested in hearing from him. Maybe God is saying to you, I want you back. I want your heart. And I'm trying to speak to you. 
So I'm asking you to listen. Maybe somebody's watching this at home and you're saying, I need to hear from God today because I'm afraid if I don't hear from him today, I will never hear from him. He will go silent and I will end up spending an eternity separated from him. What you need God to do is to speak to a dead soul. On the screens in front of you, you have a couple of what we call around here action steps. This is how we worship God by putting what we've heard from the Bible today into practice. And maybe one of these represents you. Maybe you haven't heard from him in a while. And maybe what he wants is to just draw your heart back to him so that he can speak to you, so that he can call you his son or his daughter and tell you how much you mean to him. But maybe what you need is to carve some time out where nothing is competing for, the, for, for your attention, where you have some dedicated time to listen to the voice of God. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you, but maybe somebody's listening to this broadcast and saying, I think my soul is dead. And I don't think I've ever really heard God. And what I need right now more than anything else is for God to take a dead heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh to speak to my soul today. So I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray for my heart. I'm going to pray for your heart right now. Wherever you are, whatever the condition of your heart, I'm just going to pray for us right now. Father, you and you alone know the condition of the human heart. So God, you know what's going on in my heart. God, you know what's going on for everybody who's tuned into this broadcast, everybody who's watching this sermon. And God, I lift up to you, your children, those that know that Jesus is their Savior, who have been bought by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. But maybe they become busy. Maybe they become preoccupied. Maybe they've just simply stopped listening. And God, I'm praying that today you would speak. You would speak loudly. But more than that, I'm praying that your children would listen because they long to, they, they're hungry to hear from you. And because they hunger to hear from you, that you'll feed them with your word and never face the famine of a silent God in heaven. Father, I'm praying for somebody who's watching this service who maybe doesn't know you as Savior. And maybe today what they need is to step across the line of faith for the first time. They need Jesus to jumpstart their heart and to take a dead heart of stone and make it alive and new and a heart of flesh for the first time. Maybe somebody in their living room would just cry out a prayer of faith and say, God, I am a sinner. God, would you forgive me for my mistakes and my failures? God, I lay my sins before you. I'm being totally honest with you right now. God, I need you to speak to my heart. I need you to change me because I can't change myself. Father, would you hear that prayer from heaven? God, would you do something miraculous in their life? And God, would you do it in such a way that only you can get the credit for it? But would you also give us as a church the privilege of hearing about it, following up with them about it, and telling them how they can get started on this exciting journey of becoming a disciple who is trained and ready to make more disciples? God, would you be glorified by the prayers of your people right now? Would you hear their prayers? And would you speak to their hearts this week? I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.